As I was uh, driving uh, over tonight, I started thinking about uh, the fact that today's election day. And um, I am really anxious about uh, what's going on. And uh, so I, I want to just begin with a, with a prayer for, for all of that. Lord, uh, we lift up our nation, and today especially the Commonwealth of Virginia. We pray that the democratic process, the elections, will go forward in the best way. And while we're committed to certain candidates and particular outcomes, we pray that we may accept your will for whatever happens. If, from our personal perspective, the outcome is successful, help us not to, to gloat too much. And if the outcome is uh, not to our liking, give us the grace to accept what happens and to, to go forward Especially, we just pray that the democratic process in our commonwealth and in this country will go forward in the best way. That the will of the people may be served. And that our democratic principles may prevail. We ask this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anthony uh, read the, uh, uh, the account, the uh, first uh, several verses of, of the fifth chapter of Matthew, uh, the Beatitudes, which uh, marks the beginning of uh, Jesus' great teaching about, uh, about discipleship, about those values that uh, have been important for Christian people. I mean, working for justice, uh, humility, uh, well, the whole, the whole litany of them. And the concept of discipleship is unpacked in the, through the fifth, sixth, and seventh chapters. And the end of the seventh chapter is about building your house of faith, whether you're going to build it on sand or you're going to build it on rock. And uh, what we want to do and need to do as we persevere with those values is to build it on rock so that it will endure, so it will sustain us, so that we'll have something that we can hang on to that will last for the long haul. That uh, gospel reading from the Beatitudes is uh, one of the selections for, uh, for All, Saints, uh, All Saints Sunday. I mean, these are values that, uh, that the people who lived the Christian faith throughout the ages from the time of Jesus that they have lived out and persevered with and passed uh, on from one generation to another. My concept of, uh, of, of sainthood, uh, 
uh, and all saints, and the emerging life of the church is the great relay race. Um, the previous generations have lived the life of faith in their times with the particular challenges and opportunities that were presented to them. And then they passed the baton on to the next generation. And they ran with it for a time. And then they passed it on again. And that's been happening for a long, long time now. And I invite you tonight to think about the people who passed faith on to you. I believe that none of us got here for nothing. Uh, they got here because someone of faith loved us or someone of faith was present for us in a time of deep need. That somehow the baton has gotten passed to us. And it's no accident, I think, that the people who are in the room tonight are here. Because somebody who is faithful gave them that gift, made it important for each one of us. And so we gather in this place tonight. But what I invite you to do is reflect on, uh, on those individuals that have made a difference in your life, your walk of faith. And also, in that vein, to think about who you're going to pass the faith on to. In this great real area, we don't get to hang on to it and possess it just for ourselves. We receive the baton. We need to pass it on. As I've been reflecting on, on people who've touched my life and brought me to this moment, standing here before you in the context of this service tonight. There, there's so many people, and uh, many of them are people <laughs> I probably don't even remember, don't even know. I mean, they touched me in some way and then uh, went on, on, on their way. But there, there is a person that, uh, uh, as I thought about All Saints, um, that uh, touched my life in a deep way and, and probably had as much to do with my standing here before you as anybody. Uh, he was a seminary classmate of mine named Jonathan Daniels. And uh, Jonathan and I were students at uh, the Episcopal Divinity School. Uh, we matriculated uh, there in the fall of 1963. And one of the things that happened, and, and, and the, the seminary was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, one of the things that happened uh, our midler year uh, was the beginning of, of the civil rights uh, time. And uh, one of the things that happened was uh, in March of 1965, seeing the images on television of uh, what happened at the Pettus Bridge, the beginning of the Selma to Montgomery March. And uh, Bull Connor and the Alabama State Police uh, brutalizing the marchers. And Dr. King issued an invitation to people to come from everywhere uh, to be part uh, of, of the march and to witness uh, to this injustice. Uh, and Jonathan went, uh, went right away and got down there early 
uh, to do things. And uh, uh, I went, uh, the, 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 it just, you know, the happenstance of fate. I was going by a meeting of, the, of our, our student government uh, in the seminary. And uh, they were looking for people to go on the march. And a lot of people had kids and, uh, who were in seminary. And, and, uh, but it was March, and uh, it was getting near spring break, actually. And uh, I thought, uh, well, you know, I had a little bit of money. I, I could, why, why not volunteer? So I, I volunteered. I really sort of took it on a, on a lark and went down. And um, um, it became really sort of a, a life-changing uh, event. And being in camp, um, he had all the, all the great folk singers, uh, you know, Pete Seeger, Peter, Paul, and Mary were there. I mean, these, these weren't concerts. I mean, this was, this was on the road. And um, I remember going into Montgomery, having the National Guard on both sides of the road to protect the, the marchers. And hearing Dr. King preach on the steps of the Montgomery State House when uh, George Wallace was governor and the Confederate flag was flying at full staff and the American flag was at half staff. And uh, there were probably 50,000 people who were there that day. And after the event, we all went back to our lives, back to finishing up uh, the term. And Jonathan had come down early and then gone back to try to finish up his work. Came back down and was in the Hainville, Alabama area, actually doing the work of voter registration and picketing whites-only stores and tutoring kids. He came back to do the heavy lifting. And he and some of his uh, fellow workers were arrested and put in jail in August uh, uh, 1965. And they were summarily released. They walked across the street. And there was a man who turned out to be a deputy sheriff who basically told him, we don't need your kind around here. And he pointed a gun at, uh, at the 16-year-old African-American girl who was part of the group, Ruby Sales. And Jonathan pushed her out of the way and took the full blast of, of the shotgun and was killed instantly. And needless to say, that changed uh, all, of our, all of our lives, I mean, his witness. Um, and, you know, I've continued to wonder um, how his witness has inspired and challenged me in, in the years. Um, that uh, have unfolded from, uh, you know, from that time. And his spirit continues to be a, a living presence uh, for me. One of the interesting things about, about Jonathan was he was a, a 1961 graduate of VMI. He was from New England and uh, went to VMI. He was the valedictorian of his class, 1961, but he never he never served in the military. I mean, he, it, in hindsight, it was remarkable that he went to VMI because he doesn't fit the, what I consider to be the VMI mold at all. And uh, when, he was, when he was killed, VMI didn't know quite what to do with him, with, with his memory and stuff like that. But, but gradually, and this is a real tribute to the, to the VMI spirit, they began to realize that, uh, that his stance, his willingness to sacrifice himself, his uh, passion for justice, 
But those were values that were, were part of the VMI tradition, and they began to, to uplift him. And now, there are four honorific arches at, uh, at VMI in Lexington. I mean, one is to George Washington, uh, uh, one is to Stonewall Jackson, although it may not still be, they may have, they may have changed the context for it. Uh, the third one is for George Marshall, and the fourth one was for Jonathan Daniels who gave his life for a 16-year-old African-American girl. The other thing that happened at VMI was they created an award that they give from time to time, the Jonathan Daniels Award. And uh, uh, they give it to somebody worthy of uh, the values that, that he stood for. And for me, on my journey, I had the opportunity to go to a presentation of that award in March of 2015, and they gave the award that year. The first one actually had been given to Jimmy Carter, you know, years and years back. But they gave it to John Lewis. It was the 50th. It was the 50th anniversary of the Selma to Montgomery March. That uh, that March, and uh, for me, it was uh, one of those uh, life-affirming, uh, life-affirming moments to be there and to sense John's spirit and to see the cadet corps on each side. And I, I, just, I just felt so good. For the institution chose a values-based education, this was, uh, from my point of view, as, as good as it gets. And uh, Jonathan's spirit has continued to, to live and, and breathe uh, in, uh, in my life. I mean, I've always been in urban, urban work and uh, uh, the issues of trying to heal the city and uh, to build bridges and to uh, work to do something about poverty, to work for justice, to um, try to bring healing in ways. And that's clearly something that uh, you know, has uh, brought me in my retirement uh, from St. Paul's Church uh, here and Richmond Hill being my spirit home to keep those values alive and to keep working for the, the best interest to make the city of Richmond look a little more like the city of God, keep, keep pushing for that work in progress. Mm -hmm. and, and I think one thing also, so in individual ways, Jonathan's spirit has, uh, has touched me and uh, um, and the question of passing it on or living those values and then trying to pass them on to another generation. In a corporate way, um, uh, I, I'm very excited you know, for Richmond Hill as an institution because uh, um, we're either very close or have made the capital campaign goal. And as one of the people who was part of the first generation uh, when Ben and others were forming Richmond Hill uh, back in 1987, um, to, to be able to kind of get the place shaped up in the best way for the next generation. It's like a corporate baton passing and uh, a belief in the ministry. And, and I think uh, uh, the pandemic and everything else that's gone on is kind of remarkable. Um, in one sense, this capital campaign should have fallen apart. Um, in fact, it required a whole lot of adapting in the, in the power of the Spirit to, uh, 
to pull it off, but, but good people have stepped up and been involved, and it's happened. And now it's going to be exciting to see uh, uh, what the next chapter of Richmond Hill is going to be like. And it's going to be a wonderful platform to continue the healing ministry and to, to build on the programs and the spirit that has got us, got us this far. So tonight as we think about the saints, the values that uh, made them saints, uh, and those saints that, that touched us in a variety of different ways to bring us, you know, to this point. Um, let us give thanks for those, uh, those people, for their witness, their energy, their commitment, their witness to the love of God in touching us. And let us uh, pause briefly and then press on to pass that faith to others so that the work for the kingdom can go forward in a good way.